0: This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is once again brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. The NFL returns this week, and Thrive has $50,000 in prizes up for grabs. Thrive has a massive deposit bonus this week for all of you to welcome the NFL props back. All users receive an instant 100% match on your next deposit up to $250. The action begins Thursday night with the Chiefs versus the Texans with 10,000 guaranteed, with over $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. Now, if you love to watch Red Zone on Sundays, check out Thrive's $10,000 touchdowns only contest and select who you think will score a touchdown or not. It's as simple as that. Is the guy going to score a touchdown? Yes or no? Choose a contest that's right for you and get in the game. As an added bonus, Thrive is going to be doing all NBA head-to-heads this week are rake-free. But if the NFL isn't your jam, which I don't understand why it wouldn't be, uh, do not worry because Thrive has a multitude of other sports that you can use their props on. They have the NBA, MLB, PGA, even eSports. And the best thing is Thrive has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top tier athletes in a respective sport. If you want to do the NBA, Choose 10 out of the top 20 player prop options to build your lineup. But be weary because the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. For the PGA, Dive has new contests for each day of the tournaments. So a Thursday only, a Friday only, etc. etc. So don't worry, don't sweat it too much if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Dive has awarded over 1.3 million dollars in prizes since the launching in 2018. Now I told you about the 250 dollar match but you also if you use promo code SAC, that's S-A-C-K when you sign up today you will receive an instant 20 dollar bonus on your first deposit of 20 dollars or more. So Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Hit that ish. Sorry, I knew you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. How do you pay, man? Uh, If you don't write checks, how do you? these guys. Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. We have a massive show for you today on this Wednesday. We have... A mail sack with you listeners has sent in, I think it's somewhere north of 20 questions. So that's going to be a big, juicy mail sack. We have the NFL's return tomorrow on Thursday, September 10th. Could not be more excited to get into the nitty-gritty and talk about the NFL with you all. So we have that. We have the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks going home last night at the hands, courtesy of the Miami Heat, we have a little college football to discuss as well, now that there are some in air quotes, real teams playing this coming week, so we have a huge show with a lot of talking points to get to, might sprinkle in some golf at the end, Uh, there is a question in the mail sack about golf, so might just address all of the golf needs right up front with the mail sack, you never know, but As I'm saying, strap in. This is going to be a high-intensity, probably a little long episode of Carson Sack. So just prepare yourselves. I hope you're going to enjoy it. I'm pretty confident you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, just want to stop wasting time. We are going to hop right into the mail sack. The first question on this week's Mail Sack comes from Devin Hayes, who sends in two questions. He sees he asks, how do you see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers performing this season? The Bucs are going to be, I believe, at least a 10 or an 11 win team this year. It's hard to find an offense that has as much firepower as the Bucs do. You bring in Tom Brady, who I know last year at times looked questionable. Arm strength, all of that. I think just Tom wanting to prove so many people wrong this year, that it wasn't just Belichick, that he was part of that success, and I think it flips as well, that Belichick up in New England is going to want to do the same thing, that it's going to show that it was not just Tom that was part of their like dynamic duo and the successful one that Belichick was as well. I think Tom is going to come out and want to prove so many people wrong um, that I will put my money almost all every time on Tom Brady if he's backed into a corner because he has shown over and over and over again just how productive and how he proves people wrong and ends up coming out on top. And then you look at Mike Evans, Godwin, um, Fournette, Ronald Jones, they bring back Gronk, OJ Howard is there. The defense isn't that bad. Then they address the offensive line needs in the draft as well. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer in Tampa Bay this year, honestly. Uh, Then Devin also asked, why do the Florida Gators continue to be overlooked and counted out in the SEC? Because Georgia is the sexy pick there. Um, And then you also went to school. Devin went to school at center, so he was in a hotbed of Cats fans as well. Um, Florida, I like what they're doing. Bring back Trask, at quarterback who is... Fairly good. Um, I don't think he's a world beater by any means, but I don't think he does the things that are going to lose a game for you. Uh, Not going to throw a lot of interceptions and really put your team in bad positions. Um, Florida is is going to be good this year. Um, Obviously, they're going to have the game against Georgia, as they always do. That is really kind of decides the SEC East, Um, but... I'm gonna probably ride with Georgia over Florida again. Um, and maybe that's my ignorance as well, just believing into the Kirby Smart hype again and uh JT Daniels now in line to start for Georgia. But I'm not I'm not disrespecting Florida. Um it's more from the point of I just think Georgia is that much better than Florida right now, um, going into the season. That's probably why they're not being picked. The next question comes from Ryan Moore who asks, who will have more of a breakout season, Kyler Murray or Josh Allen? I think it's going to be Kyler Murray. I think his weapons are a little bit better than Josh Allen's, and I think Josh Allen had a little mini coming out party last year, um, did a lot of things well, improved on a lot of things from his rookie year to his second year in the NFL And then I think we're going to see Kyler Murray take that jump as well from his first year to his second year in the NFL where his stats are going to improve. Um, Having DeAndre Hopkins there, I cannot stress enough how important that's going to be for him uh, to be able to have somebody that is going to be reliable. And, I mean, you pair Hopkins and Fitzgerald, two of the most sure-handed guys in the NFL, Um, I think Kyler Murray is due for a massive year. The next question comes from Ben Logson, who asks, who looks worse, the Raiders organization or Lynn Bowden based on the Miami trade? Honestly, Lynn Bowden has struck city gold uh, so far in the teams he's been a part of in the NFL. You go from Las Vegas, obviously we know that, and then he gets traded to Miami, one of the best nightlifes in all of America. Uh, Speaking from a football standpoint, though, like on-field production, whatever, um, Raekwon McMillan, who the Raiders got in return, is a fantastic linebacker that I thought was going to be not a centerpiece for the Dolphins' defense, but a contributing member, a solid piece that, going forward, they could count on to be a part of their defense, Um, but... Apparently, that just wasn't the case. I think you know exactly what you're going to get with McMillan. He's a very good, a solid starting linebacker in the NFL. And Lynn, it's still undetermined how he's going to be used in the NFL, whether he's going to be a running back or a wide receiver or whatnot. Um, So to answer your question, who looks worse? I'm probably going to say Lynn Bowden just because things aren't, defined for him yet and the Raiders did end up getting somebody that you know sort of what you're going to get from so that's that's where I'm at on that next we have a question from Blake Corbett who asked fuck around and took Lamar second overall in a fantasy league left me some tough running back picks out of my four running backs Le'Veon Bell, Marlon Mack DeAndre Swift and Jordan Howard who would you start week one and trust going forward for the rest of the season I'm gonna trust Le'Veon Bell because he's going to get a shit ton of touches. And I'm gonna t- I'm going to trust Jordan Howard because he is one of the quietly best running backs in the NFL since um 2016. So those are who I roll with week one. Um going forward, I also have Jordan Howard in one of my fantasy leagues. Going forward, I think you're going to need to capitalize on Marlon Mack still being like the defined starter in Indianapolis because I think over the course of the season, once Jonathan Taylor gets a little bit more um, reps and just sees the field more, it's going to be obvious that he's the best running back on that team and he's going to assert himself as the number one. But until then, Marlon Mack is still... With how much the Colts like to run the ball and how well their offensive line plays, he's still probably a top 20, top 25 running back. So, like that. And then on the flip side, um, you got to be patient with DeAndre Swift. Um, That's a crowded backfield right now, but I think. Just how with Jonathan Taylor, the more uh, reps he's going to see and more action he's going to see on the field, it's going to be more clear how he's the best back. Um, I think that's also the case for DeAndre Swift in Detroit for you. So just be patient. Um, and I think I think you're going to have three solid running backs, and then Mac is sort of going to regress. Um, but to answer your question, week one, I would start Jordan Howard and Le'Veon Bell moving on we continue to have questions this one comes also from Blake Corbett who asks, I'll add another one after the Lakers game for J.R. Smith play over Danny Green Danny Green has been ass Danny Green has been ass yes I understand that but there were times in this game where J.R. Smith was playing and James Harden was just getting to the rim at will and I understand it wasn't just J.R. Smith there's defensive rotations that can help out with that um there's other schemes and whatnot that can help um, when you're going up against a player just so versatile and skilled um as James Harden I think if you want to use J.R. Smith that's totally fine but you cannot abandon Danny Green um I think he's going to be extremely pivotal if the Lakers do make it to this next round against the Clippers. Um, we saw opening night of the NBA season way back last year, uh, him put up a huge night opening night against the Clippers, and they were able to win that game. Um, the Playoff experience and championship pedigree that Danny Green has. um, Winning last year with the Raptors and going back and winning with the Spurs. And we've seen his final shooting performance before, how well it can be. Um, I believe he has the record or had the record before the Warriors of the most threes, either in a game or in a final stretch. Um, I'm not totally giving up on Danny Green yet because... He's going to be needed at some point um, if the Lakers are to move on to the conference finals and then ultimately the NBA finals. He's going to be needed to have a few good games there, and I don't want to just stifle his confidence by saying, oh, we're just going to put JR in over you. Just give it some time, and I think Danny Green will work out. Don't just be patient. The next question we have comes from Casey Eyebold, who asked... Oh, not even Eyebold anymore. It's Fisher. I'm an idiot. That's... Excuse me. I apologize. Um, Casey asked, will Joe Burrow live up to the hype? It's, it's a ton of hype to live up to. I'm not going to lie. Um, Joe Burrow is... He's burdened with saving an entire city. It's not even just playing good football, Um, and I don't think people really understand that. Cincinnati has been shitty in football. They've been shitty in baseball. Um, This is really, Joe Burrow has to put an entire Midwestern city on his back and save it, and I don't know if he's built for it, but... I cannot wait to see, I love Joe Burrow, I'm excited, he's got a lot of offensive pieces around him, Um, a great receiving core led by A.J. Green that if healthy, I still think is a top 10 receiver in the NFL, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon as well, Um, a sort of revamped offensive line that is hopefully going to be able to protect him a little bit so he's not running around for his life getting chased every Sunday by defensive ends and blitzing linebackers I don't know if he saves it this year, I think we get glimpses of what made Joe Burrow the Heisman winner, the national champion but I think there is a bit of not a letdown because I think he's going to have a great career for the Bengals and everything like that just Understand that this is going to be a process, and don't be overreactionary if one thing goes wrong, or multiple things do happen in a row that are bad interceptions, things like that. Um, be patient with Joe. He's it's gonna get paid off in the end. I I promise. The next question we have comes from Ty Spaulding, who asks, DJ or the field at the U.S. Open, he is referring to Dustin Johnson, who has really just taken over the game of golf really since the FedEx Cup playoffs started, um, came in second uh, three weeks ago to John Rahm after a 60-foot putt that had no business of going in, uh, wins the next week and then wins the FedEx Cup the other week, uh, this past week, excuse me. Am I going to take DJ? No, just because of the sheer numbers. I would rather have 110 golfers than just one golfer, obviously. Um, That's just math, but... Who is playing the best right now and has the best chance to win? It's Dustin Johnson, hands down. The way he's played and rebounded, um, it's quite impressive and uh, something to behold. The next question comes from Sydney Coco. Ask, asks, What the fuck did I get myself into with a fantasy football league, and how can I redeem my picks? I had to go about asking her for her picks to try and help her out with this. Um, and folks, it is a doozy. Um, starting off, just going down her list, she has Patrick Mahomes, Josh Jacobs, and then this is where things get a little hairy. Uh, she's got Benny Snell as one of her running backs, then AJ Green, I'm high on AJ Green, Deontay Johnson, love that, Kyle Rudolph, not a fan of that as as my tight end, Tevin Coleman, gonna be a part of the 49ers offense in some way I'm imagining, um, she has Pittsburgh's defense, that's pretty good. Uh, Will Lutz, kicker for New Orleans, that's great. And then this is where things uh, go to go to shit. Uh, she has Randall Cobb as on her bench, Justin Jackson at running back, Michael Pittman Jr. at receiver, Lashawn McCoy, and then Lynn Bowden, uh, and then Tua, and then Joanna Smith. I think she fell into the. Kind of awful situation where she was taking people that she knew probably from college days at UK. And that was her uh, situation. You're probably going to need to hit the waiver wire for a tight end at some point And then a second running back or a flex. Um, if you want to shoot some things over, you're more than welcome to. But I think your first couple picks with Mahomes and Jacobs are going to be good enough to... Um, propel you to a fairly okay season. The next set of questions comes from Polly Marino, who asks, Thoughts on Odell's scandal? Do you think the rumors are true, or or does she want clout? I think she wants clout, but... Oh, man. Um, For anyone that is unaware of the Odell Beckham Jr. rumors, apparently, according to a podcast, um, this woman claimed that Odell Beckham Jr. enjoys to be defecated on, pooped on, uh, during sex. It is, I'd like to get out in front of this right away and take the moral high ground and say, it is not my place nor your place to kink shame anybody. Um, what a person does behind closed doors, um, in the bedroom is their own thing. It's not, Uh, someone else's, to choose what they want to do with their body, Um, it's their choice, but Jesus Christ, that is uh, something I am just not into, couldn't fathom anybody being into, Um, again, I've been known to say, wow, look at that girl's pooper, but I've never really thought like, hey, um, take a poop on me, you know, Um, if they are true, who would have thought, Um, There's about a hundred other NFL players I would have picked that would have been into this before Odell, and uh, I just couldn't see Odell doing this. Maybe I don't know. I'm not even going to try and speculate um, who would be into this, but do I think it's true? Um, I don't know why someone would make up something so crazy. But um, there are some more information I'd like to know about the situation. Then Polly asks, do you think the NFL is lying about their COVID numbers? I don't believe how few they say they have gotten. Um, Yeah, I don't think they're really lying. I think teams are really following protocols and the infrastructure that NFL teams have to take all the necessary precautions and whatnot. Um, The resources they have are... Infinite and just incredible. We saw that the first week on Hard Knocks when the teams were setting up facilities um, and really building like impromptu buildings in the middle just out in the open with open air so players aren't confined and in rooms together and they have space to spread out. They went through that little time frame where a bunch of tests were coming back false positive, And that was a bit of a scare because that really, I thought, was going to put the opening weekend in question. They thought they might have to move it back, um, if I'm being honest. But I think the NFL, their protocols and what they're doing to help stop the spread of COVID is really um, top notch so far. It's going to be a whole other thing once the season starts and players are um, not under the watchful eye of coaches all the time, like they are during camp, and they do have a little bit of free time, um, able to go home and visit families and whatnot. Um, but so far, I think their uh, number so far with how many positive tests they have is pretty spot on. She continues to ask, "What are my chances of getting with Justin Herbert? He won't open my DMs. Uh, probably not very high if he's not opening your DMs, and you got to think." A uh, good-looking guy like that in Los Angeles is... I don't even know if he has a girlfriend, but if not, he probably has his pick of the litter uh, with what he looks like and how much money he has and everything. Um, I wish he would pick you. That would be pretty great to have a friend that dates a soon-to-be starting NFL quarterback. But uh, she also ask about Justin Herbert. Does Polly... Will Justin Herbert see the field? At some point, yes. Um... Just because of how high he was taken, Um, he's going to see the field at some point this year. And then Pauly's last question is, I know you picked Jared Goff, so how confident, unconfident are you in him? When I picked him, I was super unconfident in the pick. Looking at it now, I'm still a little weary, but his projections seem pretty good week to week. Um, He's got a full wide receiving corpse this year that hopefully can stay healthy, um, the emergence of Tyler Higbee hopefully this year is going to help his numbers a lot help the Rams a lot um, and then I think with the question marks they have at running back it's going to promote them to throw the ball a little bit more so I, uh, I've talked myself into being a fan of my Jared Goff pick Next, we have a question from Allie Stevens. We have two questions who ask, what is your hottest take for the upcoming NFL season? I don't know if it's hot. It's hot to me, but I think the Jaguars are going to go 0-16. I don't think they're going to win a single fucking game. Um, I just don't like any part of their team. Um, Minshew... Obviously he's a fan favorite, I I can get behind him as a guy, but he's not, I don't trust him enough to go single-handedly win a game, and that is what is going to be asked of him this season, um, I just, the Jaguars are going to go 0-16, that's my spiciest, hottest take I got. Then Allie follows that up with, how many people will Tom Brady kiss on the lips on live TV this season? Hopefully zero because of the COVID and whatnot, but I could see him and Gronk sharing a little smooch after a touchdown on the sidelines. I could see Bruce Arians getting involved in the mix, maybe in a post-game press conference, a little in passing, a little, little peck. Um, his sons need to keep their head on a swivel if they are allowed in the stadium for games because that man is on a mission to get those uh, lips on his sons' lips at any chance he can get. And then, um, uh, if I will say, if his if Giselle is there, I, they might kiss. So. We're going to set it at one and a half, and I think it's going to go comfortably over. The next question comes from Michael Bennett, who asks, who has the best team in your St. Albert League, and how do I feel about my own team? Um, For those that don't know, um, I am in a fantasy football league with a lot of my good buddies that has been going on since sixth grade. Um... We are two years removed from college now, so the league is going on its 13th year. It's actually quite impressive. Um, it's great to be a part of. Um, I'm just happy to be included, honestly. Um, looking now at some of the teams, I am fairly okay with my team. I know people don't like when people talk about their own fantasy teams, I'm going to just quickly run things down for you. I apologize. But I have Goth, Juju, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Jordan Howard, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Boyd, Zach Moss, Sean Jackson, uh, Naheem Hines, Josh Reynolds, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Listen, I understand you don't like that when people talk about their own fantasy teams. So I'm not going to do it that much. Um, Teams, though... I really think that Jake Maddenly has a really good one. Um I'm not gonna say that to his face or anything, but I really like what Jake Maddenly did. Um Austin Asante has a pretty good one. Nathan Sheeler um continues to just always have good fantasy teams, and then Daniel Ramser with Lamar, I'm sure he's gonna win probably 12 games just single-handedly off Lamar. So that's who I think position themselves pretty well. The next question comes from Claire Samuels, who asks, How worried are you about Todd Gurley? What should fantasy managers do about him? First off, let's get this out of the way. Claire uh, took the bull by the horns last year and started a 12-person fantasy football league for her and her friends, 12 girls. Um, it's a PPR league, apparently, um, Go out of your way and follow their TikTok. It's Slizzard 69 The profile picture is Lamar Jackson. Um, I was a fan of what they did last year with their little Instagram uh, videos that they put up on their page there. I can only imagine the type of content that we are in store for this year on TikTok. So go follow that account. To answer your question, though, Claire... Wouldn't be concerned at all. Uh, Todd Gurley is going to have a very productive year down in Atlanta. Um, Pass catching is going to be a big part of his game that I'm excited to see Matt Ryan sort of finally have a guy that can do that besides Tevin Coleman since the years that he's been there. Um, If Gurley can stay healthy, which I know that is... At times, over the last few years, been the largest question mark concerning him. He's due, I think, to be a top 12 running back all season. Um, the There's no denying that when Gurley is healthy, he is um, so dynamic with how they can use him and get the balls in his hands. So I'm cautiously optimistic on Todd Gurley. I'm, I don't have as many reservations as a lot of other people do. Um, next we ask, we have a question from Daniel Siegel who asked, how does the OBJ poop situation affect the Browns' outlook for the season? Um, it went from pretty good to shitty, honestly, if we're just being realistic. Uh, again, I addressed this earlier. It's, if that's the case, listen, if he goes out and catches 10, 11 touchdowns, um, and wants to be pooped on so be it, I don't care, Um, it's what you do on the field for me, next question comes from Michael Turner, who asks, what would be your WWE walkout song, it would be the instrumental for Calm Like a Bomb by um, Rage Against the Machine. Next, we have a question from Matt Ewells who asks, is Giannis staying in Milwaukee after losing to the Heat or pulling a KD and going to the Heat? Apparently, after the loss last night to the Heat, Giannis was already saying he's not going to request a trade this season uh, from the Bucs. If the Bucs can't get it together um, and really show Giannis they have the potential to win a championship, I think Giannis is booking it somewhere. Whether that be Golden State, or the Lakers, or Miami, um, I think Giannis is gone. I think he has to say these things, um, like I'm not going anywhere, or whatever, like that, because you you can't just obviously come out and say, all right, well you got me for one year, like you better figure it out because I'm gone, which. Thinking about it and looking at it now, maybe that is the way to do it because maybe the Bucks would literally just go all in and spend as much as they can and trade for as much as they can to get it. while well, they still have this one guy. But so be it. But I do think Giannis is practically gone um once this next season is over. And I don't I don't know if the Bucks ownership and all that have enough balls to be like all right. Well, he's probably going to leave. Let's trade him. I don't know if they do that, but if they do, the return on investment for that in the trade would be astronomically high. Um, so that is a possibility, but I don't think the the Bucks um, ownership has enough hutzpah to do it. Uh, the next question—it's not a question, but it's a comment—and it's a very nice one, and I appreciate it being sent in. It comes from Liv Owens, who says, "I love you, Car Daddy Fresh." Not a question but so relevant, yes it is, miss you, enjoyed seeing you a couple weeks ago, hope all is well, Um, the next question comes from Bailey Trent's girlfriend, again, I've been, uh, I'm a miss on how to say your last name, and I'm certainly not going to say it wrong, so you can bitch at me and be mad at me, so, Bailey, Trent's girlfriend asks, how do you become good at golf, I need help ASAP? You need to watch. There's only one video you need to watch. I frequent it often when I am in times of need for how to play golf well. It is the Phil Mickelson How to Hit a Flop Shot video on YouTube. It's about a three or four minute video and it has revolutionized and changed the way I play golf. Uh, go out of your way and take a few viewings to let all the information Phil's thrown at just sink in. Um, but it is definitely uh, worth the watch. Next, Jay Bentley asks Bowden trade. We've touched on that a little bit. I'm excited to see how Bowden's going to be used down in Miami because um, they're an exciting young team, and uh, if they can use him in the backfield and lining up in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in the slot or at receiver, it's going to go pretty well, I think. Next, we have a question from uh, Zach Berger: Record predictions for your Browns this year. I'm. Accepting no less than 10 and 6. I can be talked into 11 and 5, but 10 and 6 is as low as I go. The defense is a question mark. I'll get more into sort of the breakdown for them a little bit later on. The defense is a question mark, but that offense is tailor made for what Stefanski likes to do. The Vikings were able, <clears throat> excuse me, to be productive last year with pretty much the same blueprint. I take no less than 10-6 and this year. Um, The next question comes from Alan Jones who asks, when does Kevin Warren get fired, step down? He's not going to step down. He's got a pretty cushy job. Um, Fired? I'm not really sure when he's going to get fired. I don't have... You could maybe see some people, some rumblings starting around from uh, presidents and athletic directors that after this season where if there's not going to be a football season and they're going to lose all this money and they're going to have to cut so many of these secondary sports that maybe there's going to be some rumblings to get him out of there. But I don't think he's going to step down at any point. But I think if the other conferences in college football can go about this season in the fall and not have to cut secondary programs, and player safety is taken care of, and the Big Ten is stuck playing in the spring, um, then, yeah, there's going to be some, I think, some conversations about the leadership and him getting moved moved on from. Moving on with the next question from Don Kohler. What do blind people see in their dreams? That's a great question, Don. Um I'm thinking that they probably have darkness in their dreams, which is pretty fucking sad to think about honestly um if they've never seen anything, how can they have a concept of what a person looks like to put in their dream? You know, so probably nothing there probably is a real answer for what they see. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm guessing it's nothing. The next question so that was kind of fucking dark, Jesus Christ. Um, the next question comes from AJ Austin Lauterbach, who asks, new name ideas for Washington. I'm a big fan of just naming Washington the formal, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, the Redskins. Um, I'm a big fan of them just naming it the Washington Football Club or Washington FC. Um, I've seen the Red Tails. That's fine. Um. If you can keep the color scheme, which I think is going to be the case, I really like what they're doing with the helmets this year, just the numbers on it, and uh, they they do need a stripe down the middle. Um, I've seen some renditions of their uniforms so far this year. That's really all they're missing. The next set of questions comes from a dear, dear friend of mine who was making her debut on Carson's sack this week in the mail sack portion. Comes from Rebecca Thieneman who starts off her questions with, what's your favorite food? Been over it a few times before on this podcast, but chicken wings and french fries and blue cheese, that is my favorite food. Then she asks, what do you do in your free time? I like to golf, I make a podcast, I watch YouTube videos about wrestling, that's kind of nerdy, but that's what I do. Um, I watch sports, I hang out with friends, Um, I play Xbox, typical guy shit. Big into golf, though. Um, Then she asks, who's going to win the NBA? Sadly, the Clippers. The Clippers are going to win the NBA. Um, And I could not be uh, any less excited about that. So, those are all of Rebecca's questions, but I appreciate her sending those in. Next, we have a familiar face here on the mail sack. Christina Barone asks, what does it take for one to be car daddy fresh? For those of you that don't know, all it takes to be Car Daddy Fresh is you have to be in uh, Mr. Mullins. I forget his official title of the class, but it was a social studies class. Um, You have to be in it with Davis Canipel, and he has uh, has to call you that. He just has to say, hey, Car Daddy Fresh one time, and Mr. Mullins has to overhear it and call you that occasionally, and then there you go, there's your nickname, it's stuck, um, it's been that since freshman year of high school, It is digressed, um, I don't get it called that often uh, anymore, but I still answer to it, it's still my Twitter name as well, and I feel personally attached to that, I don't think I could change it, um, so that's how you become Cardaddy Fresh, you just happen to have an idiot friend like Davis who throws um, a couple words together, and there you go. Next question, again, Mike Bennett continues to ask all the hard-hitting questions. Where do you think Giannis will sign in free agency? What would be the best situation for him? Um, I Ultimately, I think the best situation would probably be Golden State because he isn't going to be looked at as like the guy, and there's going to be so many other chances with Steph and Clay when they're healthy to um, pick him up if Giannis is having a bad night that I think honestly the best situation would probably be Golden State. Um and then Mike sends in one last question and he asked, um, which team or teams does the next the new expanded NFL playoffs benefit the most? And it's gonna um I think benefit and help teams a lot, um, that were hovering around that okay spot um last year it's ultimate. i think it's going to help the chiefs a shit ton because i think they're going to be the number one seed and they're going to be the team with the bye and then i think it's really going to help whoever i don't know who's going to be first in the nfc i don't have a prediction right off but only one team having a bye and that one team is going to be um well-rested after that buy, um I really that's going to help them a lot ultimately it's going to help the NFL because they're going to be making a shit ton of money on wild card weekend having three games instead of two um I could see it helping team a team sort of like the Bills um or the Patriots you could even look at the Buccaneers and the Saints um, I think it'll probably help the Seahawks and the 49ers. Um, it's going to help teams in divisions where there are really two clear cut best teams, and ultimately, they only adding that, like, if you want to call it a third wild card, um, it's going to make a lot of room. Uh, not a lot of room, but it's going to make enough room f- that um, a good team is going to be able to still make it um, and not be. Um, kicked out of the playoffs for maybe a tiebreaker loss or something like that. So it's really going to help, I think, teams in divisions where there's really two clear-cut like people that have a chance to win that division. Um, It's going to help the team that has the first-round buy, and ultimately it's going to help the NFL because they are going to be making a fuck ton of money because of that uh, third game in the wild-card weekend. And then the last question, uh, comes from URSA, the sh- sheet chief, who says, cooking up daily over here, stop by and tap in with me, hey bro, link up, tap in, ten toes down at all times, You heard me, I, for the record, I don't know who the fuck that was, I don't, whatever, um, that is gonna do it for the mail sack, um, again, as I said, y'all blew this out of the fucking water, um. The Postal Service might be in a crisis right now, but the mail sack for Carson Sack Podcast is not. Um, Thank you so much to everybody that sent in questions, everyone. Um, You all make this segment possible, so thank you very, very much. Um, Blew my expectations away. Um, It'll be a recurring segment going forward on the podcast uh, as it usually is, so thank you very much. Now that the mail sack is taken care of, we can switch focus to primarily the NFL. What I'm going to be doing right now is I'm going to be going and talking about the week one matchups, and then I'm going to be giving a season preview at the end for each division and then a Super Bowl prediction. So... The NFL season starts on Thursday, September 10th, with the Texans going to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a nine-point favorite. Also, this year what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be giving you a few plays, and I'm going to track my record. I'm going to give you three each week that I think, just against the spread, what you need to do. Um, And you can take them, you can leave them, it's up to you. But this first game, the Chiefs brought back a... Massive amount of talent that was on their Super Bowl team from last year. And then they add Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the talented running back from LSU. That I think, with Andy Reid and how well he is able to use running backs um, in a multitude of ways, and how well Edwards Hilaire did with catching the ball as well, if he can learn how to pass block which he was pretty good at doing that at LSU he's going to see the field a ton Um, and then obviously Mahomes is still there Travis Kelsey um, Tyreek Hill. It's going to be interesting to see if Michael Hardman can take that next step in his second year out of Georgia um, and be more of a complete receiver rather than just the speedster that he kind of was last year. On the opposite end, the Chiefs still have a great defense um, led by Tyron Matthew. Uh, the opposite end of the field, though, you have the Texans who are without DeAndre Hopkins. They trade him in the offseason. They bring in Brandon Cooks, who I still think is a very talented, good receiver, Um, but it's going to be up to Cooks and Will Fuller, especially Will Fuller, who has that already built-in relationship with Deshaun Watson, to really step up and hopefully stay healthy for this entire year. They also bring in David Johnson, who I think is going to be a lot better than what people expect, and he sort of has to be, he has to work out for Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien was the one that pulled the trigger on the trade of DeAndre Hopkins to bring in David Johnson and When you make a call like that to get rid of what most people are going to say is the best receiver in the NFL, um, in his prime with Deshaun Watson at your quarterback, you're going to have to make whatever you get back in return work, and that happens to be David Johnson. Uh, The defense for the Texans is going to have an extremely tough time, I think, uh, holding and stopping what the Chiefs are going to want to do. I said it a couple times um, already to a couple people in passing, but I'll say it here to get it on the record. Do you remember that opening night game a couple years ago? I think it was our freshman or sophomore year of college where the Broncos, it was Peyton Manning's first game for them and they played the Falcons, not the Falcons, they played the Ravens in a rematch of the uh, playoff game from the year before that the Ravens had won, and Peyton threw six or seven touchdowns. I could easily see Mahomes doing something like that in this game where he puts up an ungodly amount of touchdowns and really cements like the Chiefs as like, yeah, we're still the best fucking team. We're not a Super Bowl hangover. We're still good. Um... And you're just going to have to deal with it. So I am going to take the Chiefs over the Texans in this one. But this is not uh, one of the three games. I will let you know the three games that I'm going to give you as my picks. <clears throat> Next, you have the Browns going to the Ravens. Um, let's just get this out of the way right now. The MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson, is still going to be good. Um, what the Ravens were able to do last year with him and use his skill sets was extremely impressive. Um, they bring in J.K. Dobbins. They have Mark Ingram returning as well. Um, they were able to address. They were able to address some wide receiver needs as well. I think Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, is going to be a more complete receiver this year. He battled injuries all of last year. Um, Mark Andrews now the unquestioned uh, number one tight end there as well. They drafted extremely well. Um, again. Getting Malik Harrison to help bolster their defense and their linebacker core. They bring in J.K. Dobbins, who is going to be brought along all year and I think is going to be um, a huge asset for them down the stretch and in the playoffs. Um, the only question with Lamar, um, he had two chances so far to win in the playoffs and he hasn't done it once. I, I, I'm not saying... I'm not trying to take anything away from what Lamar's done because it is extremely impressive um with all the doubts that he had coming into the league, what he's been able to do in only two years. It's remarkable, but at times there are he it seems like the moment might be too big for him, and I think it that's going to come. Players have struggled, great players have struggled before in the playoffs and then redeemed themselves. And I think this could be that redeeming year. Um, on the opposite end of the field with the Browns, uh, they bring in Kevin Safansky, the offensive coordinator from the Vikings, and he has pretty much built this offense to be a more athletic, more dynamic version of what he had in Minnesota. I expect a lot of play actions. Uh, for Baker Mayfield and then being able to air it out down the field with Odell and Jarvis Landry to bring in Hooper from the Falcons who's going to be a safety valve and Stefanski loves to use tight ends and Baker apparently has built a nice relationship with Hooper as well chubb is going to be there i think he's quietly the best or one of if not the best running backs in the nfl they just signed kareem hunt to be the pass catch change of pat change of pace back as well i love that one two punch going forward for the browns they address the biggest need the offensive line they bring in conklin they draft jedrick willis as well that's great for them um so i'm opt i'm cautiously optimistic about what the Browns are going to be able to do the defense is what scares me um they've already lost a couple guys in their secondary but they've brought in Ronnie Harrison who I think is a great young piece that they're going to be able to pair with Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward and Delpit when he is healthy and comes back next year I believe from his Achilles injury that young core in the secondary I like what the Browns have done there um Mac Wilson was slated to be uh, the starting linebacker for them. I love what they got him at uh, last year in the 5th round, I believe, at Alabama. He played above and beyond people's expectations and I think I thought he was going to have a big year, but he's going to be battling an injury that really it's undisclosed how much he's not going uh, how many games he's going to miss. So I am the defense is what scares me with this Browns team, but Miles Garrett is going to be there and when he is there getting pressure on quarterbacks, it's hard to uh it's it's hard to be too worried, but the linebacking core and the secondary is what is a little concerning for me with the Browns. But in this game I do have the Ravens beating the Browns, but it is going to be closer than what people expect. Next, we move on to the Seahawks at the Falcons. To me, this is one of my th- three games that I just feel like I have to bet. I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Falcons. Uh, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, continue; the, the beat just rolls on. They're going to be good. Um, the defense, losing Clowney and a couple other guys, that's where things get a little hairy, but that offense for the Seahawks and how well with Chris Carson they're going to be able to run the ball, um, and then the receiving core with Lockett and Metcalf Um, and then they bring in Olsen who I think is going to be a nice piece for Russell Wilson to have as sort of a just dump off guy and we've seen how well he can make just okay tight ends look Um, so I'm excited for what the Seahawks are going to be doing. Uh, The Falcons the offense is going to continue to be exciting but the defense is going to I think be Terrible. Uh, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. uh, You bring in Hayden Hurst, who I think is going to have an Austin Hooper-like season for um, the Falcons that Hooper had last year. Hurst sort of overshadowed in Baltimore by Mark Andrews last year. um, But ultimately, I think the Seahawks are going to get the job done in this one. Then you have the Jets at the Bills. I want to say something very quickly about the Jets. Last year, um, another AFC East team that I'm going to sort of draw comparisons to the Jets this year. The Dolphins were considered sort of like shitty last year, but were still competitive and in a lot of games. I think that's going to be the case for the Jets this year. I I think Darnold, it's sort of... The pieces are in place where the offensive line is taken care of a little bit. The receivers are not great by any means, but Darnold, I think, is going to have a pretty good year if he can stay healthy and not get fucking mono again. Um, so I think he's going to be able to keep them in a lot of games, and I think Darnold has a step up. So far um, for this upcoming season, but I think in the AFC East, the Bills are the team to beat. Um, I love what they did bringing in Stephon Diggs. They re-signed Tredavious White, Josh Allen. A lot of people think Josh Allen is going to have this regression year. I don't really see why. The receiving core is still good. They add digs. They have Singletary. They bring in Zach Moss as well. The defense is going to be a top five defense all year. There's a lot of expectations in Buffalo, which maybe that's what's drawn some people away, to have to manage those and whatnot. But I'm very optimistic and about the Bills. Um, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take the Bills in this one. The next game, you have the Bears and the Lions. The Bears uh, coming out and making Mitchell Trubisky the starter, who I c- will continue to be a fan of. Uh, He's shown in his second year that he can make plays, have a great season, win you games, take you to the playoffs. I don't know what happened from year two to year three, Um that caused such a downfall for Mitch um, and his regression in stats. But the playmakers are there for him on offense. I mean, Montgomery and Cohen at uh, running back, Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, they have a fucking 10 tight ends. Um, Anthony Miller, the talented receiver out of Memphis, he's been getting some buzz as a guy that can maybe break out and help as well. The defense is still really fucking good. Um, I... I'm more. I understand Mitchell Trubisky has had. He's gonna be like watched under a microscope and just I think taken out, pulled at any the first sign of trouble, and that's really gonna fuck with his confidence. Apparently, he struggles with that. But when you pay somebody like Nick Foles, like they did you, and you bring him over, um, you're gonna play him. I am cautious. I. I'm buying in on Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's going to have a big rebound year, and I think the Bears are going to beat the Lions... The Lions, to me, the defense is going to be a big question mark. They bring in Jeff Okuda to replace Darius Slay as their number one corner. Besides that, I'm not really in on anything they're doing defensive-wise. The offense is going to be exciting, though. Matthew Stafford was on pace for a big year before he got injured last year. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they handle their uh, pretty wide variety of running backs with the rookie DeAndre Swift, Kerryon Johnson, Adrian Peterson now. And then they have Galladay and Marvin Jones, two very good receivers that I think are often overlooked but are fantastic. And then Danny Amendola as well. And then the returning TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, who was injured last year. I love his game as well. The offense is going to be exciting, but I think the defense is going to give up way too many points. Um, so I'm going to take the Bears in this one. And they are also my uh, one of my picks. I think the Bears getting three points is... Uh, top notch for this. So, so far we have the Seahawks and the Bears. The next game, you have the Packers going to the Vikings. Where do I start with this one? The Packers doing absolutely no favors to Aaron Rodgers by getting him any wide receiver help. Um, pretty much rolling out the same team that got dog-walked in the NFC Championship game by the 49ers. Just like, hey, yeah, we weren't fucking close in that game at all. We never really had a chance, but we're just going to run it back because we had great team chemistry. I don't know what the thought process was there. Um, They take Jordan Love, who apparently has shown absolutely no redeeming qualities at quarterback to justify why he was taken in the first round by them. And I understand they're not asking him to start this year maybe even next year the year after that but he's going we're going to need to see some improvement so far i'm still fine with jordan love i'm not i don't dislike him by any means but you you should have addressed probably the receiving uh core to help out aaron rodgers and then you look at the vikings they stay with Kirk Cousins, Davin Cook that's still going to be their identity is getting Davin Cook the ball they still have Adam Thielen Uh, they lose Stefan Diggs so it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be able to step up and take that number two receiving spot for the Vikings, the Vikings defense loses a couple people, Everson Griffin um from the front seven as well, but I still like that they add, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but the defensive end from the Jaguars, they were able to trade for him, and he was coming on and is due for a big season as well. So I I am going to take the Packers in this one, though. Um, This is going to be one of my picks as well. They're getting three points. I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to will the Packers to win in this one. The next game, you have another big AFC East matchup, the Dolphins and the Patriots. It's really the Patriots that you got to start talking about here. Bringing in Cam Newton, losing Tom Brady. Uh, I am a huge fan of Cam Newton. I love hearing all the great press and news that he is getting so far uh, with reviews so far from camp up in New England. Apparently, he's building a very nice relationship with Julian Edelman and uh, Nikhil Harry. As well, so that'll be interesting to see how well a finally healthy Cam Newton will be able to perform over the course of a season. And then their defense for the Patriots, they lose a couple key pieces, but Gilmore is still going to be there. The McCourty Twins are still going to be there. Um, And Bill Belichick probably one of, if not the best defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. I think he's going to be able to draw up schemes each week and utilize players that we probably don't even fucking know about um, and make plays. Uh, What concerns me is if the running situation for the Patriots doesn't become a little bit clear with Sony Michel and Damian Harris and then James White and Rex Burkhead. Um, if Cam's not able to uh, one game or over a stretch of games, just isn't throwing it as well as he could or just timing's off or just not performing as well as you should through the air, um... With the question marks that they're having at the running back position, not being able to really lean on that and help Cam, that's when I think they're going to run into some problems, but I don't think that's going to happen um, all that often. So I'm high on the Patriots this year and I'm not low on the Dolphins I like what they did they draft Tua but they're still gonna start Fitzpatrick um they bring in Jordan Howard they bring in Matt Britta they also have Lynn Bowden Devontae Parker is still there they played extremely hard um all last year even after the first week when they were embarrassed by the Ravens um Flores down there is going to have them, again, I think playing extremely hard, and I can't wait for Tua at some point to hopefully get started, because I think that's really when they're going to take this to the next level, and maybe end up being like a 7-9 and nine team, or an 8-8 eight eight team, because the talent is there for them, and I think maybe all they need is a sort of dynamic playmaker, which Fitzpatrick He is at times, but I think on a more consistent basis, too, we'll be able to do that for them. The next game, we have an NFC East matchup as the Eagles go to Washington to take on the Washington football team. Uh, Second year for Dwayne Haskins in Washington, he showed some signs of improvement going forward last year near the end of the season. I think him and Terry McCorn are gonna be an exciting matchup, but the Redskins are excuse me, gosh, it's gonna be hard to break that habit. I'm gonna we're gonna start a Redskins jar. There's two dollars in it right now. Every time I say it, a dollar goes in. Um it's <clears throat> those two are going to be an exciting, dynamic duo for the Washington football team. But besides those two and Anthony Gibson, I have absolutely no reason to be a believer in what the Washington football team is going to be doing. Um, I love Ron Rivera. I'm hoping um his health, uh just on a personal person person to person level, I hope Ron Rivera's health is taken care of, and the cancer and everything that he's dealing with is handled, Um, but I just don't like really any other part of their team besides um, Dwayne, McLaurin, and Gibson. Um, For the Eagles... If Carson Wentz can stay healthy and they can get a receiver, whether it be Deshaun Jackson or Ray Gore or Alshon Jeffrey when he comes back, if those guys can be healthy and you can use those three, um, I like what they have also with Miles Sanders and their defense and then their offensive line with Peters agreeing to switch over to left tackle, um, signing his deal as well. they're going to be a team to watch all year long in the NFC East. Uh, in this game, I am going to take the Eagles over the Washington football team. Next game, we have the Raiders at the Panthers. I think these two teams are just some of the most question-marked teams in the NFL. The Raiders with Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs. They draft uh, Ruggs out of Alabama. Their defense seems to be improving. They bring in McMillan in the trade. Um... They draft Arnett out of Ohio State, who was... Maybe they reach for him in the first round, but you got to take who you like if they're available. Um, I think there's a make-or-break year for Derek Carr with John Gruden because if he struggles or just isn't performing, I think they move on from Derek Carr and Gruden finally gets his guy in there. Um, for the Panthers... Teddy Bridgewater, one of the best swords in the NFL. I think he's going to do a fantastic job with what they have. Getting the ball to McCaffrey, obviously he's still going to be the vocal part of that offense. But you have Curtis Samuel, you have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson. Uh, you have a plethora of guys that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to get the ball to. Um, I like what they're going to be able to do on offense. The defense, their secondary it um, was a question mark for a couple years, but has steadily improved. I like what they have there. I expect the Panthers to be a contender for the one of the NFC wild cards, uh going on this year. So I am going to take the Panthers over the Raiders in this one. Next game, we have the Colts at the Jaguars. I have to take the Colts because I think the Jaguars aren't going to win a game this year. But let me tell you one thing. Let's get one thing fucking straight right now. Philip Rivers might have a good season, but if he continues to do what he did last year and no one goes at him, I I I will make sure that this is heard and Philip Rivers gets the disrespect he deserves. If he goes out there in Indianapolis with which I think he has just about the same um talent as he, as he does at receiver, that he has on the Colts that he had on the Chargers. You could argue T.Y. Hilton, um, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's probably a little bit better, but those two guys sort of cancel out. Um, But then you got uh, Paris Campbell, who's pretty good, um, injured last year but is... Uh, I think a good receiver to have for uh, Rivers because Paris is a speedster and you can use him in drags and slants and everything like that and just get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. Uh, Pittman Jr. as well. Um, Then you have two great pass-catching running backs, Jonathan Taylor and uh, Naheem Hines as well. But if Phillip Rivers goes out there and shits the bed continuously, you're going to fucking hear about it because I could not – fathom how people could go at Eli Manning and then let Philip Rivers off the hook last year. It was disgusting what how the media portrayed Philip Rivers struggles last year. So this podcast will not let Philip Rivers struggles go unnoticed. I promise you that. Um, with that being said, if he does go out and perform well, I'll be the first person to say hey Philip Rivers still's got some, some gas left in the tank. But in this game, I obviously Colts over the Jaguars. Then you have the Chargers going to the Bengals in our next game. The Chargers are going to roll out with Tyrod Taylor, but it's I think it's only a matter of time before Justin Herbert gets on the field. Um, again, the focal point of that offense is going to be uh, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and then the defense for the Chargers is going to be extremely good this year Um, they get Ingram and they get Bosa signed to deals they do lose uh, James their coveted safety out of Florida State but uh, I think they're going to be able to rebound well and If their front seven is able to get pressure on quarterbacks like it has been the last couple years, um, the secondary isn't going to have to cover receivers that long because the quarterback's going to be forced to throw the ball away or make decisions or get sacked, so... The front seven is going to be the key to the Chargers, and luckily they have one of the best front sevens in all of football. The Bengals, obviously the big thing with them is Joe Burrow. How is he going to perform in his first start? I think he's going to do well, and I think he's going to do well this season, but I think this first NFL game he's going to make a few mistakes that are going to be costly, and so I'm going to take the Chargers over the Bengals. Next game, it's probably the game of week one. The Buccaneers going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Tom Brady versus the uh, Drew Brees and his Saints. Two quarterbacks that have been the face of the NFL for so many years. Uh, Gronk coming back for the Buccaneers as well to reunite with Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Mike Evans and... Uh, Goodwin as well, Godwin, excuse me, Goodwin, Godwin, I don't know why I, I struggle so much with him, um, and then the defense for the Buccaneers is still going to be good, they address the offensive line needs as well, I really like the Bucks this year, I'm not going to lie, um, on the other end of the field you have the Saints who, they bring in Emmanuel Sanders, they still have Mike Thomas, Alva Camara signs a new deal, Drew Brees, People are saying Drew Brees looks shaky at times, um, especially going back to that playoff loss they had last year to the Vikings. I'm not buying it. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, um, bar none. And Mike Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL, so you pair a top-five quarterback with the best receiver, you're going to have a good dynamic duo. That defense is well Lattimore, and then Cam Jordan, and the rest of the defensive line for the Saints, I like them a lot. Um, In this game, I am going to actually end up taking the Buccaneers over the Saints. Um, I just think Tom Brady is going to have so much to prove in this week one that he's going to really come out and try and set the world on fire and play like a madman, and I think he's going to end up doing it, and I take the Bucs over the Saints. Next... You have the Cardinals at the 49ers. I'm going to take the 49ers in this one. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a better year than what he had last year, and I think that's extremely dangerous for a lot of NFC teams and really the whole NFL because he was sort of just a game manager last year, but I think the Super Bowl loss and his performance in it is going to eat away at him, and I think he has quietly been um, working in the offseason to not be a liability, more so um and up his game from just a game manager. And what Shanahan, how he's able to dial up an offense and a game plan is extremely impressive, and that defense stays the same. Um And it was one of the best defenses in the NFL last year. The Cardinals, though, as they do bring in DeAndre Hopkins, um, that's going to be an exciting offense for... Them out in Arizona with Kyler Murray, Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake as well. Drake has resurged his career since he showed up in Arizona, one of the top running backs in the NFL. Um, But their defense to me is what is going to be the downfall for the Cardinals this entire season. They're going to be able to score a lot of points, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep their opponents from scoring more points. So I take the 49ers. Then the Sunday night game, you have the Cowboys going to the Rams in SoFi Stadium, the new Rams stadium. I I was, I was did it last year and it burned me, but I'm going to do it again. I could not be more in on the Dallas Cowboys. You bring in Mike McCarthy, you get rid of Jason Garrett. I think they're going to be a lot more aggressive with Dak and using him um, on early downs. They're still going to get Zeke involved, and I think they're going to get Zeke involved a little bit more in the passing game. They bring in C.D. Lamb to be that third receiver with Michael Gallup, who was quietly one of the best number two receivers, if not the best number two receiver, probably behind Calvin Ridley. Um, And then Amari Cooper, There's at times when he goes up against good cornerbacks, he sort of disappears, but I think with the emergence of Gallup and hopefully the progression of C.D. Lamb. It's going to be hard to just um, one-on-one uh, all three of those guys, so I think Cooper is going to be able to have a big year as well. Elliott's going to have a big year as well. The offensive line, which normally typically is the big strength for them, there are a few question marks on it, but I think they're going to get be able to get that figured out. The defensive line for them, they've retooled it it's going to be a strength for them them getting after the quarterback on the opposite end of the field, the uh, Rams you lose Todd Gurley, who was a big question mark all of last year. It's going to be interesting to see how the rookie Cam Akers is able to do. If he can step in and provide a nice complimentary, complimentary piece for Goff in that offense, McVeigh is going to be able to really let loose and uh, maybe go on a revenge tour from last year because I think Goff is due to have a good year. Not just saying that because he's my fancy quarterback, but... You add uh, a healthy Cooper Cup, a very good Robert Woods, um, Josh Reynolds, and Van Jefferson as well at that third receiver spot. Tyler Higby as well. Um, if you can get a running game to help um, not make that offense so one-dimensional, that's going to be very beneficial for the Rams going forward. And then that defense with Aaron Donald, of course it's going to be good. Jalen Ramsey just gets fucking paid today, um, $105 million. million guaranteed. Um, Ultimately, though, because I'm so high on the Cowboys, I am going to take them over the Rams in this one. And then the two Monday night games. The first one being the Steelers going to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. Steelers uh, return for Ben Roethlisberger, that offense with James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, a hopefully big year, second year for Deontay Johnson, Uh, Clay Poole, the receiver they drafted out of Notre Dame, James Washington. They bring in Eric Ebron, who I think is going to be a touchdown machine for what how often Ben likes to use his tight ends. Um, And then that defense, the number one scoring defense all of last year with T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cameron Hayward, um, Joe Hayden as well. I just like what the Steelers have in place this year. If Ben can stay healthy, which has been a big question mark the last couple years, I expect a lot of big things out of Pittsburgh this year. And then the Giants, I envision them being exactly like the Dolphins were last year um, with the new coach coming over from New England. Um And all the players apparently buying into his no-nonsense attitude and everything. And they look like they're having fun in camp as well. Um, But buying into what he is giving them, Daniel Jones, I think, has enough talent on offense with Golden Tate and uh, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Slayton, Saquon Barkley as well. Those guys um I like what they're going to be able to do and hopefully Daniel Jones takes a step um forward in a second year but ultimately I take the Steelers over the Giants in this one and then the nightcap the final game of week one the Titans going to the Broncos the Broncos really it's all just depends on what Drew Locke is going to be able to give them they lose Von Miller yesterday in what was called a freak accident Hate that for them. Hate that for Vaughn. He is one of the best defensive players in the NFL and just one of the best people in the NFL. But um, they have Cortland Sutton there to help Drew Locke uh, continue to have success. They bring in Jerry Judy as well. Um, they have Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay, a great one-two punch. It's really all just depends on what Drew Locke is going to be able to do. And then Noah Fant at tight end, I think he is poised for a huge year as well. Um, on the Titans, they sign Ryan Tannehill. They make him the guy. A.J. Brown is due for a big second year. I keep saying that, but it's really... A The second year leap for all these players, it's been a thing in the past, and I think it's going to be a huge thing to help establish new stars for the NFL as well, and A.J. Brown is one of those guys. Um, but again, this team is going to go as far as Derrick Henry and that smash-mouth Mike Vrabel style uh, of football is going to take them, and I just see no reason why Derrick Henry is going to have any real regression. They bring in Jadeveon Clowney to help bolster their defense a little bit. That's going to do big things for them as well. Clowney didn't. His sack numbers weren't all that high last year, but he was still very good at quarterback pressures and forcing opposing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball Faster than what they would have liked to. Ultimately, I am going to take the Broncos in this one. I think just going to the uh, altitude with lack of really a lot of practices for the Titans is what's going to end up happening here. And I, as a whole, for the Titans on the season, I just think Tannehill is going to take a little bit of a regression. You're going to see more of him as what he was in Miami than what he was last year, and I hate that for him because I do like Ryan Tannehill, but I think last year was probably his ceiling, and it's hard to stay at your ceiling um, when you just haven't shown you can do that on a consistent basis in the NFL. That is the recap of the first weekend of the NFL. Now I'm going to do a season prediction for the AFC, I think the AFC East, the Bills are going to win, but the Pats are still going to make the playoffs. And the AFC North, I think the Ravens are going to end up winning their division, but as I predicted last year, I'm going to redo it this year, I think the AFC North is going to get three teams into the playoff. The Steelers and the Browns will also be in there. The AFC South, I think it is ultimately just a two-team race between the Colts and the Titans, but I'm going to take the Titans and that, and then... In the AFC West, it's the Chiefs division. Uh, the Broncos are going to be a trendy pick, uh, but I just ultimately think the Chiefs are going to end up being that number one seed in the AFC. And then we switched to the NFC. Um, I got the Cowboys in the East, the Packers in the North, and I really wanted to pick the Bears there. I am. If I'm going to buy into this Mitchell Trubisky shit, I got to go all the way. And I think if he does do what I'm. I think he's capable. They are going to find themselves battling for the NFC North crown because that division, I think, is going to have a regression and a down year. Um, In the NFC South, I think the Saints are ultimately going to win that division itself, but the Buccaneers are still going to find themselves in the playoffs. And then from the West... Seattle is going to make it into the playoffs. The 49ers are going to win the division again. And then the Rams are also going to make the playoffs as well. So there's going to be two teams, one not two teams, two divisions, um, one in the AFC and one in the NFC, that are going to ultimately get um, three teams in. And I think if you are the Cardinals in that situation and if every other team from your division makes it, how terrible do you have to feel? And then uh, in the NFC Championship game, I am going to have the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers. And I'm going to take the Cowboys. And then in the AFC Championship game, I am going to have the Ravens going up against the Chiefs. And I am going to have the Ravens. And then I am going to, in the Super Bowl, have... Excuse me. I'm going to have the Ravens beating the Cowboys in the Super Bowl for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, along with J.K. Dobbins. Cannot forget him uh, to be your Super Bowl champions for this 2020 NFL season. Moving on, I know I said there would be a little college football talk, so here it is. The ACC is due to start their schedule, their season this week, and I think it's going to be chalk all across the board. I think with the question marks surrounding the season, the better teams are just going to come out and dominate. Um, so you have Notre Dame is going to take on Duke. Notre Dame is going to win that. Um, you have Clemson going to Wake Forest. I, Clemson, duh, Trevor Lawrence is going to start his Heisman campaign off strong. Um, and then hometown teams, West Kentucky is going to come to Louisville. Year two for Satterfield, the defense needs to be better, but uh, Cunningham, I think, I heard on a radio station there's some Heisman buzz, there's no fucking Heisman buzz for Mikael Cunningham, I can tell you that right now, he can be a good quarterback, but there are there's no Heisman buzz, um, besides that, I think all the favorites are going to win, um, I just think the way, as I mentioned, the way this offseason has gone, um, I think the... Definitely more talented team um, starting out in week one with all the question marks of will there be a season, will there be a season? Um, They're going to be able to handle their business and win. All right, that is going to do it for episode 72 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. I hope you enjoyed. Every little bit of this, it's we're looking at an hour and 20 right now, so it's a little longer, but I do need to remind you to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of that. Share this podcast with your friends, family, anyone. It helps grow the podcast, and it means a lot to me. Also, don't forget about our fantastic sponsor here on Carson Sack, Thrive Fantasy Sports. They've got you covered in a multitude of sports, MLB, golf, NFL, uh, esports, even if you like it, NBA, they're offering some great deals right now. Prop up with them. Go to www.thrivefantasy.com or go and search Thrive Fantasy in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. You sign up, they're matching 100%. For two hundred fifty dollar bonuses for this week, and if you deposit twenty dollars and you use my code SAC, that's S A C K, you get a twenty dollar match bonus as well, and it helps me out, it helps me keep them as a sponsor, and I get I I'm not gonna lie to you, I get a little kickback as well, so you're helping me get paid, and that's what we like. To see, before I end here, I do need to uh, make note that one of my good friends, one of my best friends, uh, Andrew Crumb, who is said a great guy and an even better friend, a rapper as well, he has his first song, his first official song, being released this Friday, first one since 2016. And the name of that song is Derby City Freestyle. Um, you can click the link in Andrew Crum's bio uh, to pre-save the song to uh, your library. On Instagram, his name is Andrew Crumb 14 all run word. So we are going to be able to preview a little bit of that song for you um, as I put a song at the end as I normally do on Carson Sack. So go out of your way Friday. Keep your ears and eyes peeled for that Um Take a listen. I'm going to play it here up next. Thank you, Crumb, for being able to uh, let me share this with people and uh, promote a little bit for you. Uh, can't wait to hear it on yeah, Friday, the full song. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you once again for listening yeah, yeah. to Carson Sack yeah, Podcast, yeah. where we talk balls. And as we always yeah, yeah. end here on the yeah. sack, we will be Bye see ya. baby I'm ready to step to the plate. hey I know what they about to say man I'm sorry you're done but it's never too late hey got so many records to break when I reminisce later won't forget the day hey or the simple refrain if you're not on the train get the hell out of the way hey so get up and leave as I tell them know the what I will do in a miracle It's swear that it's only a wish list I need to see something materialize. seriously homie what is this I tell them it's none of their business and I could have used the resistance hey all the way back no I want to tell them stay where they yeah because I'm keeping my distance hey baby I'm ready to step to the plate Another now it's gonna gently weep. I used to wanna to rap on MCV. Now I gotta be with the best thing be. Think about life like it was before, where it just meant more like the scc Today I wanna to be more or less elite. Turn it up, girl. gonna let it repeat. I'm against film, that's fine though. That is as real as our yo, We from the villain, we hard.